Hello and welcome to the THCC podcast. Thank you for joining us. At THCC, we are a vibrant, multicultural and multi-generational church at the heart of East London in Tower Hamlets. And we gather every Sunday to worship God, learn more from the Bible and have fellowship with one another. Our passion and desire is to see the community around us to be changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. Now it's time for this week's sermon and we pray that this message you're about to hear would be a real encouragement for you in your journey with Jesus. Concerning spiritual gifts, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. No one to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for a common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another a miraculous power, to another a prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another interpretation of tongues. All those are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just by determines unite and diversity in the body just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit so to form one body whether jewish or gentiles slaves or free we are all given this the one spirit to drink even so the body is not made up of one part but of many now in the foot should say because i am not a hand I, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for 
that reason stopped being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being the part of the body. And if her whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wants them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there is many parts, but one body. The eye cannot be to the hand. I don't need you. And the head can, cannot say to the feet, I need you. On the contrary, these are the parts of the body that seems to be weaker and indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we are treated with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lack it, so that we should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. No, now you are the body of Christ, and each of you are, is a part of it. And God has placed in this church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then the gifts of healing, of helping of guidance and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do we work miracles? Do we have the gifts of healing? Do we all speak tongues? Do we all interpretate? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. <coughs> Morning everyone. So, can you hear the back okay? Okay, brilliant. Brilliant. So we're continuing our series looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Just by way of context, if this is your first time with us today, firstly we want you to feel very, very welcome. As a church, we're committed to being an intercultural church a collection of people from all kinds of different backgrounds, different ages, different social classes, different ethnicities, and we're committed to being a group of people who love God, love one another, 
community that he in his goodness has placed us as a part of. And we want you to feel very welcome at the end. There will be an opportunity in the far right hand corner in the window there. An opportunity just to find out more about church, uh, particularly if you're, if you're new here as well. Please also do stick around. We do have coffee and refreshments every Sunday and we'd love to connect with you a bit more. Um, but we've been going through, last year we went through the book of 1 Corinthians, which speaks a lot about church. As a church, we're committed to, uh, to good expository Bible teaching, going through uh, the Bible, teaching what it says in context. And off the back of that, we're focusing in now, just in these next few months, on some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, taking a closer look. So today I won't go through the whole of this passage. Um, this passage was covered in October of last year. If you want to check out on the website, you'll be able to uh, listen to any of the talks there. So that would give a broader context. So if you didn't hear that sermon, I would encourage you to. But we're looking, so we won't go through that as a whole, uh, but I want us to look today at the gifts of healing. But it's worth going through that other stuff. In each of these talks, as we look at each gift each time, we'll talk a little bit about some of the context of using gifts generally. You know, Paul begins this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 by saying, Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know, Paul thought it was really important that the Corinthian church understood and knew how to use spiritual gifts and to use them well. In one part, we see he corrects a wrong use of them because the gifts are too important to be neglected. Now, I grew up in a uh, reformed evangelical kind of background, uh, and one of the things that I loved and appreciated about that was a real, uh, it was really instilled into me uh, from when I became a Christian as a child that the importance of the Word of God and of good expository teaching, and I love that, and I hang on to it, it's so important. But also, one of the downsides of the particular church that I was part of was that they taught that these gifts had passed away, that they weren't for today, that somehow that they were no longer in use. And I want to say that there's really no biblical way to defend that view. In fact, most of the people who hold that view have to turn their process of interpreting the Bible on its head to get to that place. Because the Bible, when read in context, actually speaks of the use of these gifts and the ongoing use of them. And so it's so important that we, like the Corinthians, are not ignorant of spiritual gifts. It's important that we know and understand how to use them and how to use them well. And that's why we're having this series. Um, it's not just uh, information. And that's really important. As much as we want to use this as a teaching point, that's not the point. You know, just as Paul writes to Timothy and says the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, good conscience and a sincere faith. In other words, teaching isn't just to make our heads swell or so we understand it, but it's to live, change life. The goal of this teaching series isn't just to understand spiritual gifts. No, it's so that we as a church are functioning.
functioning in them and functioning in them well. So please, 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 let's not stop at just understanding more. You know, there are others who, in one sense, will agree, yes, the spiritual gifts are for today, but actually, in reality, from the way that they live lives and the way that the church functions, they're practically cessationists. They practically don't always behave as if they don't believe that they exist. It's one thing to intellectually say, yes, the gifts are for today. But it's a whole other thing to say, that is why we are going to use them. You know, the context that Paul writes to is a reminder that as church, we are one body. We are the body of Christ. And in a body, there are different parts, different roles. We've all got gifts. And again, last week, if you, if you want to catch up on this, last week I talked on the importance of all of us using the gifts that we have. And the question we're going to keep asking during this series is, what gifts do you have? How are you using them? How could you grow in that? What do you need to be able to function in what God has given to you? You see, we have different gifts, but this passage reminds us that it is God who gives them to us. It is God through His Spirit at work in His church giving gifts. And each one of you, each of us, have different spiritual gifts. We are a body and we all have a part to play. And if any one of us absents ourselves or, or, or doesn't use our gifts or is afraid to use them, we all suffer. We all suffer. God gives different gifts. We all have a part to play. So you might get a bit fed up over these coming uh, next couple of months uh, with that question, but what gifts have you got? Are you using them? If not, why not? Again, it's not just knowing more about our gifts, it's using them. And that's the context of church. I want to encourage you in your life groups, be thinking through this. I said it last week, it's my pet peeve. We don't discern our spiritual gifts through online surveys. You know, that tell you, yes, you're an apostle to the nations. Now send £10 to my ministry. You know, kind of, but actually we discern our spiritual gifts and we grow in them in the context of relationships, through being with others, through serving together. So we're going to talk more about the gift of healing. You know, it's one of those things that elicits various responses. I've been a part of a church years ago that placed far too much of an emphasis on the gift of healing to the point where people almost apologise if they were sick. It's ridiculous, isn't it? And yet, sometimes people take really extreme positions on this. Either that healing is not for today, or that everybody should be healed. Because most of the time, it's simpler to disengage your brain and simply become an extremist. And actually, there's some real important work of really understanding, yes, God heals today. Yes, certain people are particularly gifted with gifts of healing. <coughs> but actually, we live in the here and now. We live with bodies that suffer and decay. We live understanding some of the first fruits of God's kingdom, but also with the hope that ultimately we'll only all ever be healed when we have a resurrection body. And we need to live 
with the tension of that. You know, years ago I had to deal with a situation where uh, somebody who, who had recently left our church had got into an extreme form of healing uh, and, and he just he, he put on a, a social media post, if anyone in your world is sick, it's your fault. And basically saying, because God has given you the ability to heal them. And in unpacking the damage that did in people's lives, it just struck me how somebody is able to kind of take a little bit of scripture, add a whole lot of foolishness, and do a lot of damage. And you know, I'm really sorry if you have ever been hurt by really extreme teaching on healing. It doesn't honor God. But here's the thing. The solution to wildfire is not no fire, but intelligent fire. And we need to see the power of God manifested in his church. So as we look at the gift of healing, we need to look at the big picture of it as well. And that's important because we see in the life of the New Testament church that actually the New Testament church practiced the laying on of hands and believing that people would be healed. We see in the life of Jesus that Jesus preached the word and he healed the sick. We see that as Jesus trained up the disciples when he sent out the 12, the 70, he basically uh, instructed them to go preach the gospel and also to pray for the sick. And I believe that's a pattern we ought to Follow. Now, it's God's job to do the healing, not ours, but it is our job to be willing to pray. So let's uh, look, at, look, at, look, let's look a little bit more at this. But let's understand verse 11, all spiritual gifts, uh, verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. It is God's job. We can pray and ask for gifts, but it's God's job to give us gifts. Please understand, let's not just all look to be spiritual clones. You know, the body, just if you look around the room, you will see a group of people from so many different backgrounds, different skin colors, different social classes, different backgrounds, different careers, different languages, ethnicities. And God gives you as a gift to a body of people. We're not called to all be the same. We're not called to all have the same gifts, but to use that which God in His, uh, in His grace towards us has given to us. So God is the one at work. And that idea of them being manifestations of the Spirit, in one sense there's a sense in which God is present and at work through the use of spiritual gifts. This isn't just God giving them and walking off and leaving. No, God is at work and is present as we use spiritual gifts. It goes beyond a sense of just the natural things. But actually it's God at work. But it's God at work in his body. We see this, this, um, this tension you know, uh, God at work through the Holy Spirit in the church. He distributes, but also we're involved to each one. God gives the gifts, but we have to use them. You know, when it came to Christmas time, 
I'm sure some of you got some really nice gifts. And you know what? It would have been amazing, wouldn't it, if you just were given those gifts and you just held the box. Look at this gift, it's amazing. But you don't use it. God gives gifts, but we have to step out and use them. Acts 2, 4 says, all when it talks about the day of Pentecost, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So God comes, pours out His Holy Spirit on the church, and they began to speak in tongues as He enabled them. So it's not just they uncontrollably had no physical control over their body. No, the Holy Spirit came. He enables humans to choose. And that's how it is when it comes to using our gifts. God gives gifts, but we have to use them. So the gift of healing, we see there in verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous power, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, to still another the interpretations of tongues. All of these works, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them. It's interesting that this is the gift that's referred to in the plural, gifts of healing. In other gifts, he talks about gifts in the single. And I think that that shows, in one sense, the partial nature. You know, it shows that some people may, uh, may be particularly used by God in the gift of healing, but they don't possess it like a, like a magic stick that they can just hit people with and they're just healed. This speaking of gifts of healing, I think, shows the partial nature of this. That God gives those gifts, but he doesn't enable people just simply to be able to command healing in all situations and circumstances. Why? Why? Because they are not the healer. They are using gifts of healing, but God is the healer. I read one commentator on this said, you know, think of yourself not as the one who heals, but as the delivery boy. So if God's given you the gift of healing, you're not the healer. That's Jesus. You're the delivery boy. God uses you to deliver the gifts that he has given. Now, it's really important that we, that we realize that some people generally have a gifting in this area. And actually, that doesn't mean that they're people that often just never get sick. It's kind of interesting. One of the people who, in our church, who I believe regularly has gifts of healing is Jill. And uh, you know, she has been through enormous medical difficulties in her life. But she has this ability often to be able to pray, and God uses her prayers to heal people. And that's because she has that gift. Um, and I just find it really interesting that it's not something that's always and every time. But also, if you talk to her, she's always really ready to pray for someone for healing. And I, I find that really, really interesting. That it's not a certainty that everybody is always healed, but there is... A, a, a willingness to engage around it, but also 
having experienced profound and really profound illness myself. You know, one of uh, my friends in South Africa, he, uh, his dad had the most amazing healing ministry. He was so famous. This guy said to me uh, for, for just being able to pray for people and they would be healed. And he said, you know, growing up, it was a nightmare. Whenever we went on holiday, if anybody found out my dad was in town, people would show up at our holiday apartments with everybody who was sick and wanted uh, to be prayed for, to be healed. And he said, so my whole life was seeing God do tremendous healings. And uh, he said that he kind of felt like he kind of inherited some of that gift. He would regularly pray for people and they would be healed, including things, severe things like cancer. Interestingly, his wife got cancer. And he said during that time he regularly prayed for her and yet she died. And he said it was such a tough thing to see and experience. Because also, during that time, he was praying for other people, and they were being healed. And I said to him, Brian, how did you handle that? And he said to me, I came to the place of understanding, it is God at work, doing as, as he chooses. And he said, but that still doesn't mean that I'm still not going to pray for and he still has a faith and ability to step out and continue to pray for people. And I, I want to encourage you, you know, let's, let's be a bit like Brian. You know, there's always be, be like Brian. Brian, he, he's a guy that experienced great disappointment, but know what it is to keep praying. You know, sometimes uh, I think we just need to understand that it is the Holy Spirit at work. He conducts the peace. You know, if we take that analogy of being different gifts like an orchestra, it's God, through his Holy Spirit, conducting the peace. Um, he distributes, he determines. We say yes to him and decide to pray. One thing I've seen just in terms of a practical thing is that people who often are used with gifts of healing often have a strong sense of faith and trust in God. It's they often have a gift of faith, sometimes being willing to step out and to pray and to believe. Um, but I think it's really important that we don't just equate healing with faith. Yeah? It is not faith that heals people, it's Jesus that heals people when he does. And we can have faith, but ultimately, God is sovereign. We are not God. You know, one of the most profound things we need to learn and understand is that God is God and He is in control. And that's such an important, important thing, particularly in this kind of area, that yes, we want to be people of faith, people who believe God can and will heal, but also understand that God is sovereign. And there are times and seasons that we go through difficulty in life. You know, what does it mean to develop the gift of healing? I think it begins with a willingness to pray for the sick. A willingness to pray for the sick. You know, I think it was John Wimber that years ago famously said, you know, if you pray for no one, no one gets healed. And if you pray for a hundred people and three get healed, 
but there's still three people who see and experience God do something incredible. And I, I want to encourage you, let's be willing to offer to pray for people. But also, let's really be just really careful about extreme doctrines. You know, there are some real, and some of the guys, they're, they're good guys in other ways, but they take an extreme doctrine around the healing that says that everybody should always be healed. And brothers and sisters, that does, that's, it's biblically illiterate, it's pastorally insensitive, insensitive, and it does a lot of damage, and at some point, even becomes close to being blasphemous. So I just want to encourage you, let's be willing to step out, let's be willing to pray for people, but let's not say and promise what the Bible doesn't. Let's not use the language, again, some people do, of that, that uh, you heal someone. No, no, God is at work in healing people. It's so, let's not get that wrong, even with our language, you know. Uh, this point here in, in verse 20, 10, 29 says, Our old apostles, our old prophets, our old teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing. The idea is clearly no. That's why we need different gifts. Um, we don't all have the gift of healing. But here's the thing. We should all be willing to pray for the sick. There are some people who are particularly gifted at teaching the Bible. But actually each of us should be willing to teach others what God has taught to us. So it's important. We may not all have the gift of healing, but I believe we should all be willing to pray for people. And to, to, to ask that God will do so. One of the things that I've seen time and time again over the last 25 years is that very often those who have gifts of healing see God at work, particularly as they learn to pray and to fast. It feels often like a bit of a package deal. Prayer, fasting, and healing. And I want to encourage you, if you have, if God uses you in that area particularly of healing, really make time to pray. Take time to fast. I believe that as God's people, that is partly how God pours out His power through His church. Um, in terms of the big picture though, what does it mean for all of us to be ready to pray for people to be able to be healed? Well, I think we look in the New Testament, we see that healing was very much a part of the life of the New Testament church. So I'm just going to do a quick whistle-stop tour. Uh, firstly, Jesus, in the life and ministry of Jesus, he placed an emphasis on preaching and as he preached, he healed. So in Matthew 4, 23 to 25, we read, And Jesus was going about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And news about him went out into all Syria. And they were brought, brought to him all who were ill, taken with various diseases, pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them all. And great multitude followed him. Now that is Jesus. Jesus at work preaching the kingdom and healing the sick. In Luke 4, 40 it says, When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Jesus regularly preached the gospel 
and he healed the sick. And it's really interesting that as we see uh, in Jesus chaining up others, he did the same. So when he sent out the twelve, again Matthew 10 verse 5 says, Then Jesus went, sent out, then the, these twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. It's kind of spectacular, isn't it? Jesus at work forming the disciples. I've never seen anybody commission guys to do street evangelism in that same kind of way. But what we do see is that Jesus did teach his disciples to pray and expect his power to be manifest in people's lives. Um, you know, the strategy that Jesus had was to empower the disciples to go and preach. He didn't do it all himself. It's interesting, they saw Jesus do it, and Jesus commissions them and they go. And when we know in Scripture, they're excited when they come back, God's at work. Jesus was training others. And I, I believe that all of us need to be people who are ready and willing to lay hands on the sick and to ask God to heal. Part of the strategy though, and we see this as Jesus sends the 12 and also as he sends out the 70, is that Jesus says, go and be with people. Be with them. Don't hide away. The community of faith, the church, is a sent community. We gather on Sundays together, we gather in groups, but that's not the point. The point is to go and be sent. My friend's church in South Africa, at, at, over the door as you leave, it says you are now entering your mission field. A reminder that this isn't the point, but what God does here goes outwards. You know, God, Jesus trained up the disciples. But he says, go and be with people. Again, he sends out the 70 uh, in Luke 10. You know, stay in that house. Verse 7 onwards, stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you for the way worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near. It's a pattern. Go be, and he, Jesus, you know, he specifically says, "Don't rush around too many places. Find some people, be with them. Find a man of peace. Find a woman of peace. Find the people who will open up their lives and home to you, and just begin there." And that, what we see if we take a balanced view of Scripture, is that in the New Testament, the coming of the kingdom of God is very often associated with preaching, with healing, with justice for the poor. And you know, I find it really interesting that as churches, we kind of take one of those things and do it lots and neglect the others. So we have some that are all about preaching the good news of, of preaching the gospel. And it's so, they're full on in preaching, it's great. But... They may be suspicious of social justice or, or suspicious of the idea of, of the miraculous. Others like to emphasize good news to the poor, helping the poor, social justice, but don't like 
the preaching of the gospel. Others like the miracles, but actually neglect the poor. And I think it's really interesting in Scripture that this idea, the coming of the kingdom of God, actually what we see is that the good news is preached, that the poor are set free. Now when, G when John wants to know if Jesus is the Messiah, and it thinks Matthew uh, 11, isn't it? He wants to know if Jesus is the Messiah. And, and, uh, and, and Jesus said, well, go tell John what you see. The lame walk, the blind see, the poor have good news preached to them. You know, the kingdom of God has come. And I believe that if we're going to be faithful to Scripture, actually we need to be so active in preaching the gospel. It's the heart of what we do as a church. But we need to be ready and able to pray and believe that the kingdom of God will come in the miraculous. And the kingdom of God comes through lives transformed. So instead of living selfishly, we live generously. Instead of exploiting the poor, we esteem them. The kingdom of God comes with the preaching of the gospel. The kingdom of God is where Jesus is Lord. And that's manifest with his power. But it's also manifest with a turning around of the social order. That people don't live for themselves, but they live with a sense of justice. And as Jesus trains and sends out workers, that's just what he does. You know, if we look at the early New Testament church, when it's baptised in the Holy Spirit, empowered, very soon, healings begin to take place. You know, Acts 3, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried out to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put out every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked at him straight, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. Really soon we see and then it just the early church prayed for the sick as part of the normality of what they did. It's taking what Jesus did and practicing the same. Again, it's not our job to make stuff happen, but it is our job to pray. You know, it's so telling as that story unfolds through verse 9 down to 12, the people see. They can't believe that this is the same guy that, that was used to sit there and beg. Verse 12, when Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? You know, there are parts of the body of Christ that would be absolutely astounded if God did stuff like this. And Peter's just like, it's not us. It's not us. Why are you astounded? God who made heaven and earth can do this. It's not our power or godliness. And that's such an important reminder. You know, gift is never validation 
of character. Actually, people use the gifts that God has given them. And that's not an endorsement of everything they do. You know, we've seen, if we're honest, haven't we, the abuse of spiritual gifts often in a huge, on a mega scale by people exploiting their gifts. Peter saw the proclamation of the kingdom of God and a demonstration of its power as sitting right next to each other. Jesus did. The early church did. And I want to encourage us, let's believe God for more. Let's grow in faith and expectation. Let's grow in our willingness to pray for the sick. Let's grow in our belief. So what does it mean for each of us? Well, first of all, all of us need to try and grow in this, which means being willing to lay hands on the sick and to pray. Not to promise them healing, not to be weird, but just simply to say, is it okay if I pray for you? Those of you who work particularly amongst Muslims, and there's a lot of us here at the heart to do so, they are so open to being prayed for, for healing. The Quran refers, refers to Jesus as the healer. And so lots of Muslims are very, very open to it. If you have the opportunity and they are sick, my, I could tell you stories about, uh, certainly with my next door neighbour, just an openness and a willingness to be prayed for that opened the door to all kinds of things. Why? Because simply saying, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. You will be surprised how many people just are, are willing to do that. You know, at that point, you don't need to shout up and down, jump up and down, bind the devil. No, just simply, just pray for someone. Be normal. I just think we need to be a bit more supernaturally normal, you know? <laughs> Less kind of weird with it. But let's just simply be willing to pray and say, can I just ask God to come into this situation? Those of you in leadership, Elders of churches are particularly instructed. The book of James says, anyone of you sick, call the elders. And, and please, you know, since I call the midwife, but call the elders. So please do be willing, if you've got a particular illness, as an eldership team, we are always ready just to come to lay hands, to anoint you with oil and to pray. Because we believe God is at work. Let's realise there's not in Scripture a definitive promise of everybody being healed in the here and now, be they non-Christian or not. God is sovereign. Let's remember in the altar, you know, and there are parts of the, the Bible, like, you know, Isaiah, for example, Isaiah 53, where it speaks about Jesus on the cross. By his stripes we are healed. There are There is part of healing that is based on what Jesus did on the cross. But ultimately it's fulfilled when we have resurrection bodies. Ultimately we will one day be in bodies without aches and pains. Now I've had a, a problem with my eyes, which means every hour on the hour for seven days I was having to put eye drops in my eyes. And uh, I'm now, it's now down to every two hours, so praise the Lord for that. But you know what? I had to start wearing glasses last year. Actually, the doctor told me you should have worn them years ago. You're just too proud to go to the opticians, isn't it? Like, yeah. like, our bodies decay. Like, 
I can't run like I used to, unless Buffet is involved in <laughs> Then I'm empowered. But, but seriously, you know, our, our bodies decay, don't they? We love and lose people who we care for, sometimes before their time. We need to deal with this intelligently. We need to avoid the extremes of, of everybody's healing, but also avoid the extremes of not praying for the sick or of becoming disillusioned and disappointed. And I want to encourage you today, if, if something has gone, if the spring in your step has gone spiritually because of disappointment, I want to encourage you to stand up again. If you've been disappointed that somebody wasn't healed, you know, we don't have the answers. In fact, the Bible reminds us that the secret things belong to God. But I do want to encourage you, don't let that stop you from praying. Don't let that stop you from asking God. Faith plays a part, but it's not the main part. Sometimes our healing is far more holistic. God at work, not just healing bodies, healing emotions, healing minds. What does that mean? Well, I just want to create a little bit of space now as the worship band come up. We're just going to have an opportunity as we worship. If you would like to be prayed for, if you have an illness in your body, you want to be prayed for, then I want to invite you during this song as we worship, just wander down to the front. No weird stuff. Someone's just going to come and pray and just ask God to come and to intervene in that. Now, there's no promise of healing, but there's a promise that we serve a God who loves us. Jesus loved us and gave his life for us. The gospel is good news. And we do believe that Jesus does heal today. So if you, as we worship, if you would like prayer, please do come down to the front. You know, uh, uh, a couple of the, the guys on the church team, or if you're a life group leader, please do feel free to come and just pray for people. But the point is just to ask God, as a church, let's be expected that the kingdom of God comes. And it comes with the preaching of the word. It comes with the manifestation of the power of God. But it also comes with God's sense of justice and concern for others. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are good and you are gracious. Lord, I thank you that on the cross, Jesus broke the power of sin, broke the power of sickness. And Lord, I want to pray that today you pour out your spirit as we're here today, God. Lord, we want to ask that as we pray that you would be at work in each one of us in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that our eyes wouldn't be fixed on each other, that they would be fixed on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Lord, help us to just step up that bit more in expectation today. In Jesus' name. Amen.